pues. What trips me out is Abram too, because you hear him talk to you and share with you and, you know, regular conversation. And then he gets up here. It's like, what the heck happened to your voice, bro? But it is awesome. And I love, I love this guy. And it was interesting. Um, we had <clears throat> a week of prayer and fasting uh, back in May. And Abram was one, uh, each night we, we had a prayer meeting and we had different guys from the church doing worship. And I, Abram's done worship for us before, but he brings his daughter up there and she does oceans. And I'm sitting there going, because she sang for me in another, you know, she has all this stuff that she can sing. And I was like, I sat there going, oh my gosh. And so when I knew that Abram was going to be leading worship, I go, hey, can you bring your daughter and, <laughs> and do oceans for us? And then he says, hey, can she just sing with me? It's like, yeah. What else do you guys want? You guys want to preach it up too? <laughs> I'll let you. <laughs> oh, man, I am so excited, not just for this, but I'm excited tomorrow night for um, the feast and just be in prayer, whether you're going to be here or not. We need to be in prayer for our community. Um, the school district gives us the opportunity to go into every elementary school and hand out a flyer uh, about what's going on in our church. I'm involved a lot in the school district, kind of, you know, in committees and stuff like that. And so I don't know if they're going like, oh, man, now that he's involved here, we got to let him do all this stuff. And so we have an open door at the school in a lot of different ways. But I just am so blessed that they allow us to to put a flyer, not up on the school, in every kid's hands in elementary for things like this. And so, amen, yes. Um, and so every kid that goes to our elementary schools got a flyer for feast. Now, not everybody needs it or wants it, but there's a lot of needy families in our community. And just pray that this little flyer, hopefully they put it on their refrigerator or wherever, that they would say, Mom, Dad, we need to go here. Because I'm hungry. Or, you know, they're going to give away clothes there. And uh, and again, man, our community, you know, most of you guys moved up here to get away from the hustle and bustle. And we have an amazing little community here. And when we come together, you know, when we do stuff, you know, the Lord blesses. You know, this past week, um, we did a memorial service here uh, for a young man that passed away a few weeks ago and uh, got hit on his bike. And I didn't do the message, but we opened it up for uh, Pastor Josh McLaughlin. Um, from uh, well, he used to, he grew up in our community, but he pastors out in uh, Little Rock. And so we had this place jam packed, and we had people in the foyer, um, and about twenty some people at least came to the Lord. And um, <clears throat> once again, our community. Our community comes together in tragedies. Our community comes together when there's people in need. And, and again, just be praying. Be praying for what God wants to do tomorrow night here. You know, it, it's interesting because people know where Calvary Chapel is at. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's in the, one of the main streets. And so they, they get a flyer like this, and they know that they're going to come and get loved on. They're going to get served some food, good warm food and stuff. And this time we have some clothes that we're giving away as well. And, um, and so just be praying for our community because there are some people who are really in need and they will never tell you this. 
because there's some of you here <laughs> who are really in need and will never let us know. And maybe you need to be here tomorrow. And there's no shame in that. You know, we want to be able to bless our family as well. But we want to be able to bless our community and be able to say, here, here's the love of Jesus. You know, we're going to be sharing the gospel. You know, that's a given. <laughs> uh, Rick Glancy is going to be sharing a couple of little messages with the people. And so be praying for Rick Glancy, man. He's a neat brother that uh, has a heart for evangelism like this. And so be praying for him as he shares, but all the workers that are going to be here. And um got to add some tissue here. Um, um, but anyways, um, just be praying for what God wants to do. And so before we get into the message, let's just... Let's just quiet our hearts. And you pray. You pray about tomorrow night. And then just as we're, as we're finishing up, just pray for me as I give this message. Let's just quiet our hearts. Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we finished 1 John chapter 4. And so, so this morning we are going to move right into 1 John chapter 5. And we will be covering the first five verses this morning. The statement that we started off with last week in 1 John 4.12 was that no one has seen God at any time. And the reason being is because he is invisible. And it's hard to see what is not there, right? Obviously. <laughs> it's like, wow, Zeke, man, you put a lot of thought into that. Um, but we cannot see what is not there. But it doesn't mean that it's not there when it comes to the invisible things of God. Now, we talked about how God made himself known by putting on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. That's how God revealed himself in a sense. I mean, he reveals himself through creation and all those other things. But he revealed himself in character through Jesus Christ. When Jesus came to this earth. Now, when Jesus left this earth, after conquering sin and death, he left us the Holy Spirit as evidence, as proof that he would not leave us alone, that he would just leave us as, as orphans. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans as I leave here. I will send to you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will teach you all things. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit that is still with us even today. Now, the problem is, is that the Holy Spirit is also invisible. So we can't see Him. <laughs> but the good news is that the evidence, the proof that we have the Holy Spirit within and upon us is what He produces. There's something that He produces in people's lives as He comes into the, 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 the people 
you know, as you ask him in, there is something that he produces. There is fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit, and that fruit is love. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this love thing for a while because it seems like this whole year, the vision to go deeper into deeper waters, we have been dealing with love on and on and on. And all the books, either Thursday night, even through the the summer series, or Sunday mornings, the books that we've been going through, all have to deal with love and, 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 and just all of that. And so... Man, I think that's what he wants us to get. Love. The, the, the visible manifestation of the invisible God is love. That is the manifestation of this invisible God. He gives us something and it is love. Not just love that we have received from him, but the love that we have for him as well. And the love that we have for Him is demonstrated, it's made manifest in how we love one another. If we love God, as we touched on last week, it says that we must also love our brother also. And so this vertical love that we are to have for God and with God is is shown is manifested it makes himself it makes itself demonstrated in a horizontal kind of love in relationships with people i've shared that time and time again and i hope you that, that that's kind of been embedded in your life in your heart that the, that if you say you have a vertical relationship with jesus a vertical love for jesus because you've received his love then the way that that love is demonstrated is not just receiving it but giving it out to people all around you. And so we must have love for one another. Here's the thing. Everything we are doing and being asked to do boils down to the faith that we have in a God whom we have never seen at any time. It takes faith to do all of this. It boils down to faith in everything that we do, in a God that we have never seen. We've never touched, we've never handled, we've never had that kind of tangibility with God in that sense. So it's because, it, 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 because it's by faith that we believe that God came in the flesh we, we, we believe that He came in the flesh in the, in, in the person of Jesus Christ, and so we believe what is written about Him. He is a historical figure. So we believe that He existed at one point, that He came to earth, and so we believe what the Bible says. So again, in faith, we believe it, because we read it through His Word. And by faith, we believe all of that. And by faith, we believe that the Holy Spirit makes His home in us. When we ask Him for forgiveness in faith, we receive it, right? Some of us, when we came to Christ, when we received it in faith, and I know that happened with me, I just felt this cleanness with God. I felt like I can approach God. I felt like something happened in my life that now I can come to God at any time. I, I was raised a Catholic, and so I understood that there was a, re- well, not a relationship, I understood that there was a God, but I didn't have this 
this relationship with him. And the day that I accepted Jesus Christ was just, my spiritual birthday was just on Friday. 35 stinking years. Amazing! You know, I, I'm just like, wow, I could not even imagine that. That day, and, and, and something happened, something clicked in my life that I asked him into my life. And so there was that difference. And by faith, whether I realized it was faith or not, something happened and I received the Holy Spirit that day. And he has made his home in me ever since. So the interesting thing about all of, all of this faith that we're talking about here is that it is by faith that we are to love one another. It is by faith that we are to love one another. If faith was not an issue, guess what? I don't have to love you. You don't have to love one another if you don't have faith. It's not expected of you to love. It is, it, this faith is what commands us orders us in that sense to love one another. Because you say you have faith in God, he says, then you are to love one another. Faith wasn't an issue. Big deal. We don't have to love one another. The world is at, not asked to do any of those things. Not like those who are of faith. We are to do and asked to do these things to love one another and so let's get into our text this morning and we will talk about faith in our study as we go on and i've entitled this message or i've titled this message faith that overcomes and i don't know about you but i'm pretty competitive <laughs> in life and so if i want to if i if i'm going to do something i want to win i want to overcome i want to be on, uh, on top in one sense you know i hate losing I hate quitting. I might quit a project here and there. Don't forget that part of life. But man, when it comes to doing something, man, it's like, I want to win and I want to win bad. That's how competitive I am. You don't want to do board games with me. You don't. I'm sorry, but I will cheat to win if I have to. <laughs> Just being honest with you. I will do whatever it takes, man. If I don't win, it's like, hmm. I'm a sore loser. I am a sore winner, too, in that sense. But be that as it may, I got off topic there. But let's get into the Word. First John chapter 5, first five verses. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves Him who begot also loves Him who is begotten of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that we, uh, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The Apostle Paul, as we go to verse 1, the Apostle Paul here uses the word or the words believe, believes, or believed a total of 10 times in this small letter. And that word believe 
in general, believe, believe, believed. Um, that, that word means to have faith in, upon, or with, with respect to a person or thing, i.e. credit by implication to entrust, especially one's spiritual being to Christ. In the concordance, it's believe, commit, trust, to trust, put in trust with. This is what I get from the concordance when you look up these words. Now, he uses the word know, knows, known, in this letter alone, a total of 40 times. It means to know absolutely in a great variety of applications and with many implications to be aware of, feel, to know, knowledge, perceive, be resolved, can speak of, be sure, and understand. Now, combining those two words together and their definition of believe and and know, you kind of take away a sense of boldness, a a sense of confidence in what you know. (laughs) You know that you know what you know. Because you believe and and you know this. And so again, combining those two words, and so when he says, whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God, whoever believes that you have this confidence that you have been born of God, because you have this confidence. And so in this believe in, to know that that is our faith, that, 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 that equates to faith. When you believe in something, you have faith in it, in that sense. Or you know it, that you know it. You have faith in it. And, and, and Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That, that substance is our faith. That substance is, 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 is our foundation that we stand on, and what we stand on is Jesus Christ. That is who our, our faith relies upon and stands upon. Jesus is that substance. And the things that we hope for are the promises that God Himself has promised to us. And the evidence of the things not seen is the working of the Holy Spirit that makes those things evident in our life. It acts out. Faith acts out what we know. If we have faith, then we act it out. And in this case, it's love. <laughs> we act out love because we, 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 we believe. We have a foundation. We understand. We know that we know. And so our faith, when we are walking in faith, it looks like love in a lot of areas. It, it, it looks like, like love because that is what we have faith in Jesus, who is love. We, we have faith in God, who, who is the very essence of love. So John says, whoever, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, he is born of God. The word whoever includes everyone, anyone, 
whosoever. It kind of is broad, very broad. Whoever. Not just you, not just me. Whoever. Again, coming to Christ, you were just a whoever who was out there. And, and that, that call went out to you as well. It goes out to everybody. Both young and old, rich or poor, educated or not educated. No matter what class or what culture or whatever your background is, you can be a whosoever. And so he says, whosoever or whosoever believes, adheres to, trusts in, relies upon the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, is born again. He is a child of God. Now, you know what the great thing about that is? <laughs> is, is? Is the fact that that nobody has to meet my criteria to be a Christian, to be born again. You don't have to meet my criteria and then now, here's the blessing, you are a born again Christian. I don't have that criteria. And the great thing is I don't have to meet your criteria. The, the, the criteria is, the litmus test is that we are to believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the one that has been sent by God. If anyone tells me that they are a Christian, I have no, no reason to doubt them. I don't have to give them a test. I don't have to like tell them, well, tell me what you know about justification. You sang about it right now. Do you really know justification? I don't have to test them and, you know, has there been a regeneration in your life? What do you know about sanctification? Is it a one-time deal or is it like a process? Wait, 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 come on. You know, it's like you don't have, I don't have to give you this test. All you have to do is believe. And this is what I love about who Jesus is because he makes it that simple that we don't have to like do a test. It's like, okay, now you're in. (laughs) That's why a little five-year-old, a little four-year-old can believe that Jesus loves him. And he says, I receive him into my heart. And Jesus comes into his life. And some people are like, come on, they're little kids. It's like, yeah, Jesus kind of said something about unless you come with, with, with the heart of a child or, you know, you can't even enter into the kingdom of heaven. I think I've paraphrased that one, but whatever. You got the gist of it. That unless you believe as a child. Because a child is so innocent and he will believe. We're, we're the ones, as adults, we're, we're the ones that complicate things and start doing these tests. You know, whether you're in or not. And I just love the fact that there is no criteria on my part to, to, to meet your standards or that you would have to meet my standards. The cool thing about it is that Jesus came down to our level. We didn't have to rise to a level to believe. All we have to do is believe. Amen. He says, and anyone who loves him is begotten, who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. All the other translations put it this way. Everyone who loves the father also loves his children. That's the gist of that verse right there. The the last part of verse one. Everyone who loves the father loves his children also. 
And what he's getting at is like that old saying that says, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family or your relatives. <laughs> if, if someone says, hey, I believe in God, guess what? They're part of the family. And you ain't got a choice about it. <laughs> you can't pick. It's like, oh, jeez, I don't want them. I mean, I guess what you can do here is like, if somebody says, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian too. It's like, what church are you going to? Calvary Chapel? I won't go there. You can go somewhere else. I don't have to see that side of the family. We're probably like the crazy uncle. You know? It's like, I don't want to be around them. But I'm sorry, we're still part of the family. If you are born again, if you have been born into the family of God, guess what? It's a big family. It's a big family. And you will have those crazy uncles and aunts in there. But, 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 but understand that, that it's not just this church that's your family. It's not just the churches that are in this community that are your family. It's not just the church in America that's your family. No, he, he's talking about the church as a whole, the body of Christ, we are a big, big family. Those who have gone before us are part of our family and those who will come after us are part of the family of God. Those who, are, who believe that Jesus Christ is sent from the Father, that He is the Messiah. And, and, and once again, it kind of goes back to what we shared last week in verses 20 and 21, where it says, if anyone says, I love God and, and, or, I love God and, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he, does not, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. We have to love. It is a commandment of ours that we love our brothers also. Whoever is in the body of Christ. Listen, we do not have a guarantee that our biological family will make it to heaven. We don't have a guarantee that they will become believers, right? Because many of us don't have. You know, not everybody in our family is Christian. And we do not have that guarantee that all our biological will make it to heaven. But guess what? Everybody that calls themselves a brother or sister in the Lord, there's a guarantee they will be in the family. So it's almost like, hey, get used to it. Get used to loving one another. Because that brother or sister that you are at odds with, you're going to spend eternity with them. Well, why don't you get it straight right now, right? Why don't you just get it like out, of, out in the open? It's like, okay, before we even get there. <laughs> or you can say, okay, we got to do this. Once you get up there, if you get up there before I do, you just tell Jesus you want to be on the opposite end of me. <laughs> Come on. We can't do that. We're not going to be able to do that. We're not able up there to say, I, I want to go to a different heaven. I want to go somewhere else where they're not. You can't say that. And so we are to love one another. And so if you say you love God or you've been begotten by God, then you need to love those who have been begotten by God as well. Because your father is their father also. And so the best thing we can do is, is, is love one another. And, and like a family, we, we are in different stages of life. 
Some are younger, some are older. But we all have different character, personality, disposition. We're we're different, every one of us. And I think that's what makes it awesome, that no two children of God are alike. We all have the same spiritual DNA flowing through us, through the Holy Spirit. That proves that we belong to God. And that we are a part of that same family. And so, sibling rivalry is, is not acceptable. Not in the family of God. Now I know that in, in all families, there's sibling rivalry. Family fights all the time. Sibling rivalry. That can be a little confusing there. But I know in most normal families, it's just kind of normal and parents put up with it. Guess what? God the Father doesn't put up with it. He doesn't like it. Not one bit. He doesn't say, oh, my kids, my kids will be kids. He says, no, don't do it. I don't want you to do it. I command you not to do it. It ought not to be so within the family of God. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And guys, I can't tell you how many times, man, it breaks my heart. (laughs) People are at odds with one another. And I I try to, you know, sometimes I have to be the mediator. I feel like a dad. It's like, really? Just hug each other. Like, I don't want to. It's like, really? So you're going to be stubborn here, you know? And, And again, you don't have to answer to me, but I know what God's Word says. And He says, I don't like when my family is at odds with one another. The house divided cannot fall and it won't fall. It cannot stand and it will fall. And we are not to be at odds with one another. If a brother or sister says, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a, it's like, you know what, but you're a bad Christian. It's like, well, there's always black sheep in every family, so what? At the end of the day, he's still your brother or your sister. Jeez. Pray for them. Come alongside of them. Teach them how holy you are. Right? They're probably looking at you as like, oh, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, too. It's like, hey, why don't you guys just come to a happy medium and say, hey, man, we both mess up. You, you, you mess up in this area, and I'm very arrogant, huh? Prideful? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, both are wrong. You see, God takes this very serious. You know, as parents, man, sometimes it's like, I... I wash my hands of all of this stuff and it's like, just fight, just kill yourselves, whatever. God doesn't know, man. God doesn't, He takes this serious, man. If we are part of the family, He expects us to love one another. He truly does. He, he doesn't play games with none of this, man. That's why He continues to tell us time and time and time and time and time again, love one another. Love one another. Make sure there is no hatred for one another. It's basically what he's saying. Make sure you're not hating. It breaks my heart, man, when Christians are like, oh, I don't like that guy. Well, I don't like that person. Or, or, or they make it so obvious by how they disrespect one another. And it's like, you think God's happy with that? You think he's going, you know what, I'm just going to pin a rose on your nose because I'm so proud of you. It's like, no, he's not. He is not going to play that game with you. He's not going to say, I understand you come from this background. Oh, you're Mexican? Yeah, you guys hate everybody. 
He's not going to, he's like, or, or you're Italian or you're whatever and you have a temper. I understand that. He says, no, you're a Christian. All that is out the window. I'm sorry. Well, no, he's not sorry. He's not sorry about that. If you call yourself a Christian, I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your demeanor is. I don't care what it is. I don't care what your culture is, how you were brought up. You don't have to be like your parents or you don't have to be like your culture. God takes us very serious. He really does. And he does not want us, he does not want us to hate one another. And so verses 2 and 3, as I move right along here, by this we know we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments, and this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. We cannot say we love God and not have faith in Him. Faith in Him is what produces love. So if we say we know God or we love God, then then it's because this faith in us has produced that in us because God is love. And so if we have faith in a God of love and His Holy Spirit is in us, then guess what should be produced from us is love. A few weeks ago, we, we, we covered the last part of 1 John chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, or 24. And I want to read it to you. And it says, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is the commandment that we have, that we should believe in the name of His Son, of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Again, love and faith, they work together. This command is fairly simple. If you say you love God, then you will have, or if you say you have faith in God, then you will love one another. They go together. Love and faith go to, together. If we say that we believe and trust and adhere to and rely upon Christ, then automatically we should be loving one another. His commandment is love. And this commandment or his commandments are not burdensome. The, the, the word burdensome has words like weighty, grave, grievous, heavy, oppressive, inksome. Th- those are the words that are associated with burdensome. You have, you have this, this, this heavy weight on you, oppressive kind of weight on you. Jesus doesn't lay trips on people. He doesn't lay burdens on people like that. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't have this like, here, let me just lay it on you, man, because I know you'll never be able to do it. What He has commanded us to do is that we are to love one another. And to love one another is not an impossible task. <laughs> and we should not get tired of loving one another. 
As I was looking at this, this whole burdensome kind of thing here, that word, what it reminded me of was the scribes and the Pharisees. And Jesus was the complete opposite of the scribes and the Pharisees. These guys were the religious leaders. And this is what he says about them in Matthew 23, verses 2 through 4. He says, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, and he's talking to the people, Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens and hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves do not remove them with one of their fingers. They, they lay heavy trips on people. And, and it's interesting because Jesus says, hey, observe what they tell you to do, do as they tell you to do, but don't be like them. Because they lay heavy burdens on people. And they don't ever lift a finger. But this is who Jesus is in Matthew 11. And this is what he shared earlier in verses 28 28 to 30. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So whatever He asks us to do, it will not be burdensome. It it, it will not be hardcore on us. It it will not be going, I can't do this. It's like, no, He has given us the ability to do whatever He has asked us to do. If you feel weighed down, even if trying to love one another, if you feel weighed down on that, it's because somebody has either laid a guilt trip on you, or you think it's like, ah... Or you're immature enough to go, why do I have to do that? You see, because His commandment is not burdensome. If you come to Him, humble yourself to Him, it says that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. You're you're, you're going to have a different mindset, a different attitude of why you should love one another. Someone who is mature, complete, or has, uh, has... mature, complete, perfect love as we were talking about last year looks at the Bible and the commands that, 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 that are given to him to do and he understands and he knows that it is not impossible. It is not an impossible task. When you're mature, you understand. It's like, no, he's told us that I can do this and I know him well enough <laughs> that he's not asking me something that it's burdensome. He's given me the, the understanding. Because a, a mature believer's personal attitude towards the commandments is that it reveals God's will. And His will is that we love one another. To love the family of God. That is His will. And so because you're mature, you look at the Word and say, that's what I need to be doing. Not, not because I, I have to, it's because I, I love Jesus so much that I want to do what He has asked me to do. So I need to love one another. An unbeliever considers the Bible as some impossible book. It can't be done. He doesn't quite get the commands that God gives, especially why, why are you guys supposed to love one another? Especially when they hurt 
people hurt you? Why, why do you have to do that? It's almost because they do not understand the spiritual message in the Bible. And 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerning or discerned. He, he doesn't quite get it because he doesn't have the Spirit of God in him. An immature Christian considers these kinds of commandments, these demands, especially to love one another, to be burdensome, because they're almost, again, they're immature. They're like a, a kid who says, why? Why do I have to do that? What benefits do I get out of it? And again, to me, that's just an immature Christian who does not quite get it either, asking, why do I have to? But the Christian who, who is experiencing God's mature, complete, perfect love finds himself enjoying the Word of God and what it says and truly loving it and truly desiring to obey it. Because he has seen and experienced its love. And he doesn't read the Word of God just to read it. He reads it to do it, to fulfill its commandments. That's what a mature Christian does. He wants to do what the Word of God says. He doesn't want to be a hearer of the Word only. He wants to be a doer of the Word. It it, it is our faith that allows us to love. See, and, and if you have weak faith, then you're having a hard time loving. You're having a hard time trusting God Himself. And so because you're having a hard time trusting God Himself, you're having a hard time trusting other people. You're having a hard time loving them. Because you maybe don't think that God could really do this in you and through you. And it's like, no, really, you begin to love because He has commanded you to love. And I can guarantee you, your faith will grow because guess what? There will be unlovely people in your life. (laughs) And you will know that you're growing because all of a sudden it's like, man, I used to hate that person, but I don't hate them no more. I actually love them. <laughs> We're not besties, but um, but I love them. I can genuinely say my heart is for them. I have pity on them. You see, your, your heart changes all of a sudden because you're maturing in Christ. If our faith is what allows us to love one another... It is only because the one in whom we believe in is love. And for him, to love is not burdensome. You see, God never gets tired of loving. He doesn't. It's not burdensome for him to love. Now get this. The, God so loved the world. And guess what? He continues to love the world. And he uses those in whom the Holy Spirit dwells to love the world. He, that's who he uses. Those who say, I love God, those are the ones that he uses to love the world and to bring people to himself. Now, if God can do that in and through us, and continue to do that in and through us, then what's, what is so burdensome about it? If, if God doesn't get tired of loving, why should we get tired of loving? 
I, I, I know that for the most part, we love to see people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We love it. We love it when, when a sinner turns his life around and, and starts walking with Jesus. And we just love it. That all of a sudden, man, you're part of the family. And we tell them stuff like that. Welcome to the family. We're all like, yeah, woo. Welcome to the family. <laughs> How is it then that we can hate our brother? In whom at one point we rejoiced and were glad and excited that they had come to Christ. How is it that we hate them now? <laughs> we were excited that they were part of the family. How is it that we turned around, turn around and hate them? Just like the world hates. It was the same kind of hatred that the world hates. It doesn't make sense, does it? It shouldn't make sense. That if we were once excited that they were now in Christ, now we're going like, oh, jeez. Why did they have to come to Jesus? <laughs> I know we would probably never say that out loud. But sometimes you're like, oh, jeez. Why did that person happen? Verses five and or four and five. It says, "For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. If it is our faith that allows us to love, then it is our faith." that helps us overcome the world. See, if you're hating like the world hates, your faith can overcome that. Your faith will help you overcome that kind of hatred towards others, especially within the body of Christ. You see, this faith that we have doesn't just get us by. It, it, it doesn't. I know for, for many of us, it's like, that's all I need, man. Just get me by <laughs> It's like, no, our faith can actually help us overcome victoriously. It can help us overcome victorious because of the one in whom we have faith. He has overcome the world. Victoriously. He conquered sin and death. He conquered all of that. And he, he continues to love. And so if he can, then we can. Because love was a motivating factor behind this whole thing. Love motivated him to come, to send his son. And it was love that, that caused him to, to overcome. So that we can overcome through him. Mature, complete, perfect love will always give us victory in this world. Because we have an example of him who loved us. Romans 8, 37 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. We are more than conquerors. Having love for one another and having love for the people who are still lost in this world will result in a victorious Christian life because of the one we believe in, because of the one that we have faith in. 
Our faith in Jesus Christ will always help us to overcome this world all the time. Because he overcame the world. In John 16.33 it says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, Jesus said. And if he has overcome the world, then he can help us overcome the world. Our, Our faith is only as strong as the substance of what our faith is in. There has to be some substance, some assurance in faith. Faith is only as good as its object, and our object here is God and in His Son, Jesus Christ. I've heard people say, even within the church community, I have my own faith. Or I believe the way I believe. And what that tells me is that maybe, just maybe, that's why you're not overcoming this world. Because you're trying to do it your way. Your, the way you believe. Because more, most of the time, man deals with things worldly. So if you have your own little faith that's apart from this faith, Oh, you said, oh, but I believe in Jesus, but you're doing it on your own, then you're still going to fail in overcoming. I can guarantee you that. If you submit and surrender to Jesus Christ and Him being your everything, and He is the one that overcame, then why can't you overcome? If your faith is truly in Jesus, then He can help you overcome because this is what it says about Him. In, in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. If our faith is in the God in which and in whom nothing is impossible, <laughs> then what is it that we can't do through Him? Nothing. We're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. If His Word tells us that we can overcome this world through faith, through believing in, trusting in, adhering to, and relying on Him, we can experience victory in this world on a regular basis. I can guarantee you that. The only time that it won't be possible is that when we are trusting in ourselves or trying to do it in our own strength, in our own wisdom, and then you will become wearisome or burdensome. Faith that overcomes is in Jesus Christ alone. And if He has given us the ability to overcome this world, could it be? Is it possible? Is there a probability that He can give us the ability to love one another? Absolutely. Amen? If you do not have faith in Jesus Christ, and maybe you're here this morning, and this morning you know you came and you're going, man, I I, I cannot love because I don't have faith. And and you understand that. I want to encourage you this morning to come to Jesus, to begin to trust Him, to rely upon Him and adhere to Him like no other time in your life. 
Because many of you who have come, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you are failing and you continue to fail and you're going, why? Why is this happening? And it's quite possibly you've been trying to do it in your own strength and you haven't been able to do it. And Jesus wants to give you victory. But you have to trust him. You have to come to him. You have to come to know him in a personal way. And, and there's, there's brothers and sisters in here who have come to Christ, who said, I have Jesus in my life. And you're having a hard struggle with loving one another. People in your life, people at work, believers or non-believers, more than likely is because you're still trying to do it in your own strength. Again, he's giving us the, the antidote here <laughs> that we can have victory and overcome this world through faith. And it's going to show itself in love and how you love other people. So let's stand as we close in prayer and we're going to sing a song right now and we're going to have prayer teams down here and I'll be down here for a little bit. If if you need Jesus in your life, you can come to the prayer teams or you can come to me and and get prayer for, for that. If you've been failing in this, and as a Christian you just need prayer, come and get prayer. Don't do not walk away without getting prayer. I know some of you guys are going, oh, I don't need that, and you don't. You don't need to come down here, but you really need to start walking in faith. Amen. Father in heaven, once again, we do thank you and praise you for your faithfulness towards us. Lord, you love us so much, and you continue to love us, Lord. Lord, when we read that that you sent your son because you so loved the world, Lord God, we see it even today that you still love the world, Lord. It's it's, It's still active today. And I pray, God, that those who might be in here who don't know you, Lord, that this morning they would come to know you, that they would understand, Lord God, just how much you truly love them and that you want to forgive them of their sin, Lord. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning, even as we're all praying. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And, and right now, right where you're at, you need to just raise your hand and say, I need Jesus in my life. Is there anyone this morning that needs Jesus like that? Because you came here this morning and you know that you need him. Jesus wants to do a work in you. And because of what you're still going through, you're going, man, I thought I did, but I didn't. I didn't totally surrender. Is there anybody? Once again, Lord God, we thank you, Lord. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in here. I pray that even this morning, Lord God, those who are struggling in their faith, Lord, and they know it because of the hatred that's in their hearts towards others. Lord, and even though they've They've come to you and they've, they've asked you to forgive and to do all those things. Lord God, there's still this bitterness that's within them. And I pray that God, even this morning, you would just show them, Lord, what it means to surrender and to humble themselves before you. Lord, and if they need to go to that person, Lord God, that you would lead them there. I pray, God, that people would just desire to love one another as your word has commanded us to do. Lord, thank you, Lord. Be with my brothers and sisters and give them strength, Lord, as they walk this walk with you, Lord. 
give them strength. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer teams, if you're out there, come on down.